We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Candlestick Chronicles on the Blue Wire Network. My name's Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. With me, it's a very special guest. Kyle Madsen is on vacation this week, so we got my boss, Kevin Jones, <laughs> the, the CEO of, of Blue Wire, who also has the Striking Gold podcast, another 49ers, net, another 49ers podcast on our network. Kevin, how's it going, buddy? I'm not a boss. I, I want to be like an organizer. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm organizing us all onto the same team. You were one of our first teammates, Chris. It's awesome to be with you. We have a loosely like planned 49ers podcast. This is going to be more like a freestyle meeting of the minds. No, it's been too long since we potted. Um, and, you know, super pumped. You and Kyle are neck and neck with striking gold right now. So your pod is, is blown up. And it's, I think you get different perspectives with both of us. Yeah, dude, do me a favor and, and just give me 30 seconds about Striking Gold, who you have on there. Um, and, and so 49ers fans who, who have included into that one can can get another podcast on their feed. Rob Lauder and Eric Crocker, both very dynamic content creators. Rob is on top of all the videos all the time about the 49ers, the latest news. He's really uh, Twitter first in, in some of the stuff that he creates. And same with Eric Crocker. He's really created a community of fans who interact with his tweets about um, corners and wide receivers. And so those guys come together typically in the middle of the week to preview and review. The, the, they review the 49ers from the, the previous week and then uh, <laughs> edit this out, whoever's doing this. <laughs> um, 
Yo, so Croc and Rob get together and they preview the 49ers matchup on Sunday in the middle of the week. Um, we're going to do a lot more cross collaborations between us. Yeah. And, and you and Kyle consistently twice a week, every week for pretty much like 10 months here, you can count on getting solid 49ers analysis. Yeah. So let's, let's jump right into it. The 49ers are the last undefeated team in the NFC after the Packers, the Cowboys and, and the Rams all lost their games in, in week four. And the 49ers joined the, the Patriots and the Chiefs as, as the only undefeated teams. And, and, you know, Kevin, Kyle and I have talked a lot about trying to figure out exactly how good the 49ers are. And, and I haven't been willing to, to say they're more than a, a contender, maybe to win the division or, or even a playoff spot, just because, you know, this is a team that's dealt with injury issues f- throughout most of, you know, a lot of their key guys have dealt with injury issues, I should say throughout recent seasons they're coming off four straight double digit loss seasons we've seen teams start off hot and then fade as the seasons seasons go on Um, but where are you at with this team and and where exactly do you think they they sort of fit in in the hierarchy of the nfl uh, contending teams no i'm pumped to see 49ers fans gloat right now on twitter with the picture of the standings to be mentioned with the patriots and chiefs it's early season 25 percent of the pizza has been eaten there's still pretty much the whole pizza left so um don't do cartwheels yet but i think basking in this is okay your quarterback has been playing well jimmy garoppolo you've you know had these turnovers you played an ugly game in tampa and you still won you kind of like gone over a hurdle here so i think they have graduated to average football team i predicted them to go eight and eight i mean they they would this would be a bad season if they went eight and eight they're in a they're in a position now to make the playoffs um you know actually i mean i won't be down on them if they go eight and eight they, they have a really tough schedule moving forward chris but i'm you know i'm hyped about this team i'm worried about corner i'm worried about left tackle um so the schedule is going to get a little tougher here the next two games if they split this and they're four and one after browns and rams coming up i'm still feeling very high about this football team yeah if if they're four and one over these next two games like you said against cleveland and the rams they're going to be at least sharing first place in the nfc west through the first almost the first third of the season which which is really really important and and would be impressive considering the expectations coming in I mean, after week after week four, and and the 49ers didn't play over the weekend, but they're still third in the NFL in scoring, averaging 32 points a game. They're fourth in the NFL in total offense, averaging 421 yards a game. Defensively, uh, they're third overall, just in total defense, and, and obviously they haven't gone against an elite offense or an elite quarterback yet. So I'm still a little dubious about these overall defensive numbers, but they're eighth in opponent scoring, allowing just 18 points a game. Uh, and you have to factor in that pick six that Jimmy Garoppolo threw week one against the Bucks into that figure. So overall, and I know the DVO, DVOA numbers also favor the 49ers, although the, the strength of schedule weighting hasn't really taken in, into effect yet. But I mean, I think this is about the best case scenario for those first three games, obviously being 3-0 and and having an unblemished record. That's pretty obvious to say, but but just in terms of the balance the 49ers have, right? Like they're the number one rushing team in terms of attempts mm-hmm. in the NFL, and they're averaging 175 yards a game, which is second. And I think that's that's the exact formula that Kyle Shanahan should have had coming into the season. 
knowing that he needs a balanced offense so you're not just relying on Jimmy Garoppolo to, to come back from that ACL injury and carry everything on his shoulders. I think Kyle Shanahan realizes that the strength of this team right now, and we'll have to see if they can maintain that without Joe Staley going forward, but the strength is really in run blocking. And we know with Kyle Shanahan's offense, the key, the basis of the offense is the running game because they do so much stuff off of play action uh, and everything else. So, I mean, I, I have to think like with the way Jimmy Garoppolo is playing, he's looking far closer to the 2017 version when he first came over in that trade from the Patriots than he did last year when a lot of people were a little bit concerned about his two-plus game sample before going down with that knee injury. He didn't look particularly sharp in those first three games in, in 2018 before going down. I, I think he's he's back, at, at least far closer to that that version the 49ers got when when they first traded for him. So I'm curious to think I'm curious to, to hear your impressions of Garoppolo so far, Kevin. Totally. I've been super impressed. I think the Steelers game was one of his best in a 49ers uniform simply because you got, you know, there's dummies being thrown at his face the entire game. Like he, he didn't really have a clean pocket too often. I think he thrives that way. And the more I watch him, Chris, he actually reminds me of Tony Romo. The way his shoulders can shimmy and get out of some moves. He's really like not a scrambler per se, but just like, is able to extend plays and make things happen. So that's been the most impressive thing to me. Overall, offensively, how often can they keep doing this? Can they keep this formula where they're very balanced? The run game is working right now. Justin School, is this really going to work at left tackle? I'm a little nervous about him going against uh, the Browns here coming up and probably the Rams too. I think they are going to need to put check and some people on that side at all times. So it's, it's, you know, two defenders going up against Jimmy G. So yeah, overall Jimmy G I'm impressed with, I don't know if they can keep it this balanced, Chris. I think there's going to be some games where Jimmy has to throw 45 times, 50 times where the 49ers do go down 17, nothing early. These turnovers, they do commit, come back to bite them as they're playing a team with a much better quarterback. So when we talk about schedule, Oh, the 49ers haven't played anyone. It's most teams would have beat the 49ers if they committed five turnovers. The Steelers are in a bad spot right now offensively, so they couldn't do it. If 49ers do that again, they might get killed by a couple teams and then you know fall in a funk. So this is why we're not automatically saying this team's in the playoffs. And so to me, Chris, Jimmy still does have to prove it in those situations when he goes one-on-one v. Lamar Jackson later this year, and it's like a much bigger game. I'm glad you mentioned Lamar Jackson. That that's a perfect segue for for what we're going to talk about next. The Browns, the obviously the the upcoming opponent on on Monday Night Football in Week Five, are coming off a really impressive forty to twenty five victory on the road against Lamar Jackson and those Baltimore Ravens. Um, I think during the first three weeks, when the Browns went one and two, losing pretty badly to Tennessee, thirteen to forty three in their season opener beating a Jets team that wasn't particularly good. And, and obviously uh, Sam Darnold was out with mono and then losing to the Rams 20 to 13 in the game where the offense just really looked out of sorts. The Browns really needed that game that they had on, on Monday or on Sunday, I, I should say winning by 15 on the road in Baltimore is really impressive because to me, I thought Baltimore was, was far and away the most impressive team throughout the first month of the season in the AFC North. Yeah. And, and I thought that, you know, if if the Browns didn't come away with 
at least a, a strong, encouraging showing in Baltimore. I would have picked the 49ers to blow out the Browns in this upcoming Monday night game. But now the Browns and all that hype they generated in the offseason with, you know, obviously trading for Odell Beckham Jr., the talent they already had on the roster, Miles Garrett, uh, Nick Chubb, like this, they they could end up rounding out into the team that we all thought they would be as one of the most talented teams in the AFC. And if they figure things out and, and start getting on a roll here, um, you know, it's, it, it could happen Monday night against the 49ers and, and they clearly present, I think the most difficult challenge the 49ers have had to date. Yeah. And I, you know, I were, you and I were talking on the podcast beforehand as all podcasters do beforehand. Um, <laughs> uh, this is the biggest game of Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield's early career. And that's, oh, hot take or whatever. But it actually is. The whole country's watching how they play. You know, you can become a punchline on Monday Night Football. Baker Mayfield bounced back from it. But, you know, the attention, the spotlight, the whole country is going to be watching because this is like the only decent Monday Night Football game there's been. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking at this game from a lens that Baker's, you know, and Freddie Kitchen still have a lot to prove to me. I'm, I'm not ready to crown them yet. It's it's an interesting game, and it's it, it really is a toss up. I do think it's going to come down to can Cleveland expose the matchup of Emmanuel Mosley at second corner? He has 25 snaps uh, in his NFL career here. Are they are they able to isolate Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, whoever they can really? And and how the 49ers have been beaten in the past is. It's been a killer Weatherspoon or deep safeties. They gave up so many passing touchdowns last year. So I, I do think it's going to be a competitive game. Um, it, it really just depends on certain matchups, how they pan out. Also, you know, as, as we have uh, you know, mapped out here, Justin School against Miles Garrett. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, that, that, that's going to be a problem. So, yeah, to me, man, it was an impressive win by the Browns. They, they've been stumbling a little bit. Um, they are going to get this extra day of rest, but they have to come to the West Coast. Um, big game for them. Like we said, we're, you're just looking for the 49ers to go one and one over the stretch. If this was their first loss of the season, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But I think the the matchups stack up favoring Cleveland. The 49ers are at home, so you know it. It should be a, a decent game. I don't think either team is going to crap the bet. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's fair to say this is going to be obviously the best quarterback in Baker Mayfield the 49ers have played, the best running back in Nick Chubb 49ers have played, and obviously Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be the best receiver the 49ers have played yet this season. And so it will be a, a really good test. And to your point, Emmanuel Mosley against Odell Beckham is is going to be massive for the 49ers. And, and are they going to have to deviate what they do schematically? Are they going to... Uh, work coverage more to that side of the field, whichever side Odell Beckham's on is Jimmy Ward going to be playing free safety this week. And how is that transition going to impact the secondary? We don't know that yet. And so far it's been to various more. My hunch is that Emmanuel Mosley is going to be playing cornerback, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if the 49ers had a short hook with him. And if he got burned like Jason Verrett did last week, then maybe they do end up putting Jimmy Ward over there because Jimmy Ward still is a first round talent. And I know Everybody likes to discount Jimmy Ward because of all the injury issues, which I understand. But when he's healthy, he hit, he still is a very good player and somebody the coaching staff thinks really highly of. So I'm curious to see how Jimmy Ward is, is used this week, whether or not they, they put him at free safety. 
if Emmanuel Mosley does get the start and then struggles against OBJ? Do they shift Ward to corner and, and put Tervarius Moore back into the game? Is Jason Verrett going to be factored into that equation? Uh, we'll have to see. I, I have no idea because I hope not. really we, we don't know how healthy he is. The reason why he was inactive in the first two games is because he was still working back into football shape. Surprise. I mean, I don't want to be down <laughs> on a guy like, dude, like it's, it's no, you're right. You know, it sucks. I don't want to be this guy who's like saying, you know, being a, a jerk essentially, but it, they counted on an injury prone guy. Now they're counting on Jimmy Ward and it's week four and the secondary has injuries. And now Jimmy Ward needs to come through for them. Whether it's at safety or corner, this is what they did in the offseason. This was their plan. This was the veteran piece that they could have to to bridge this gap. So to me, if Jimmy Ward comes in and doesn't make an impact, it's directly on John Lynch or whoever's making the defensive decisions for the front office. Because if, if you got this position correctly and have this chess piece that you're feeling very comfortable with, um, and I don't know if that was keeping Colbert and letting you know more focus on corner, but you know – They've created essentially a mess with the second corner and free safety position. They have a lot of tangling pieces going back and forth. And, um, you know, that's their one big criticism of this football team. And you're going to have to win football games this way in spite of this mistake. Yeah, well, we, we should, with all that being said, we should give credit to the 49ers, whoever was making the decisions about, about the secondary, for having faith in Akella Witherspoon because of how well he was playing. True. Also being said, the fact that he's hurt. Now you seem like, you know, the 49ers seem like they're really thin at cornerback. So they'll have to mix and match that. But one thing they could do to offset whatever mismatch the, the Browns represent at receiver and, and in the 49ers secondary is, is what the 49ers can do with the pass rush. And I think the pass rush has clearly been the most obvious area the 49ers have, have dramatically upgraded this season with Nick Bosa and D Ford. Uh, Bosa, I think, only has one sack, but he's been one of the most productive pass rushers in the NFL just in terms of pressuring the quarterback, even while his playing time has been limited because he's coming off that ankle injury, he, the, the high ankle sprain he suffered in early August. Uh, having the bye week could be huge for Bosa. And also D. Ford, who's, who's dealing with chronic knee tendinitis, sounds like Ford's going to play through pain throughout the entire season. So until... He really aggravates that injury to where it's significantly worse. He's going to play through it. And he told us last week that that he actually played through a torn groin last year Damn. with the Chiefs, and he played over a thousand snaps. So D Ford has a pretty high pain tolerance, and as long as he's yeah. healthy enough to play, I think he's going to be a productive player. Particularly the way Eric Armstead's playing, and the fact that the 49ers have three guys right now on the edge, which they haven't had before. I'm thinking about the torn groin, man. About I don't think I could get out of bed. And now I'm thinking about playing a football <laughs> game with a torn groin. So, I mean, I want to go back to like Jason Verrett. Like, I really mean no ill will towards the injury thing. We're just like diagnosing like circumstances that, that the front office is evaluating. Having said that, um, they really did get the D-line correct. And I really compare it to the quarterback position. The football team looks completely different. Once you have a D-line humming every week, like the whole defense looks different, similar to quarterback. You have a quarterback, the whole offense looks different. So they did put their they, – they bet the right pieces here. Like getting the pass rusher in D4 with the trade, I give them thumbs up. Nick Bosa, I was so thumbs up on that move. And like I guess they said we can't solve every single piece. We're going to you know still ride with Jimmy Ward. So 49ers fans, don't think I'm super, super negative. What they did on the pass rush is got them at 3-0 and for sure. Um, and so, 
you know, it's made Robert Sala look really good. He's able to do different things now, as Chris has mentioned, cover threes and, and different things that they can do. So, um, yeah, I'm with you, man. The D-line is something special. Nick Bosa, his only thing is, dude, just just stay upright. It, I know it's really difficult and challenging, and he's getting back there and creating chaos, but he's going to take a leap from a very damn good football player to potentially one of the best pass rushers in the entire league if he can stay upright and and be less on the turf is a he's going to get hurt more and b he's just going to be able to finish more plays yeah i think for him just the fact that he hasn't played a whole lot of football in the last calendar year i think finishing those plays is is going to come just as as he continues to play and so going against that browns defensive line this week could be could be, you know, Bosa's coming out party because I know a lot of 49ers fans and, and local, you know, Bay Area types have, have talked a lot about Bosa, but I don't think Bosa's got much recognition on the national stage just in terms of how much he's impacted the 49ers and what they've been able to do defensively. So Monday could be that game where, you know, if Bosa has a bunch of pressures or a couple sacks or a forced fumble, then people really start to realize that, okay, maybe Nick Bosa is going to end up being one of the better defensive ends in this league going forward. And obviously, number two overall pick, uh, that that's where the expectations are. And, and I think Bosa is, is living up to, if not exceeding the expectations so far, but also, I mean, accompanying the injury, that's something you have to factor in too. But before we go on, let's take a quick break. All right, Kevin, as a CEO, you know when you're giving important presentations and making important pitches – that they will go well if you're if you're dressed well. It's just that confidence that that you have with, with what you're wearing. And so Indochino is a company that will help you look good at an affordable price. So Indochino was founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe, particularly if you're a CEO of an upstart company. Uh, Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. The best part is they are affordable. Almost all of their custom clothing is under $400. The process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Start your style upgrade with $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com promo code Blue Wire for $30 off your purchase of $399 or more. That's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Go to Indochino.com and use promo code Blue Wire at checkout for $30 off. Indochino is great, guys. I just got a suit for a wedding I was at. Actually, it was a tux, and it was a great price, a great deal, so make sure you check them out. As well as ShipStation, if you're selling online, getting orders, is they're a real pain. Time-consuming, expensive. You're returning this. You're just running around like crazy. That's why you need ShipStation. It's tracking everything. It's fast, easy, and very affordable to ship your orders. Um, Ship, ShipStation, they just get it out quickly. If you have, if you're selling on Amazon, you're selling on Etsy, your girl is, your neighbor is. ShipStation brings you all the orders into one simple interface, easy to manage from any device. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You're gonna ship more in less time with the best rates available. So this is what you do. Listeners can try ShipStation for free for 68, 60 days using the offer code Blue. 
That's absolutely no risk. 60 days for free. Promo code blue. ShipStation.com. Enter the code blue. This is ShipStation. They make ship happen. And they've been partnered with Blue Wire for a while, so give them a shot. All right, Chris, what are we talking about next? 49ers right now. Um, they're the talk of the NFC. It's like a little strange place to be in, especially, you know, Chris, you started covering this team really hardcore in what, you know, 2013. 2014. Yeah, like you saw like the tail end of everything. So now like end of the decade, they've rid themselves of the stink of the Tom Sula and the Chip Balky hires. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's got them propped up. Like it feels like they're in a spot as long as they can stay healthy to be a pretty decent NFC team moving forward. There's a lot left to play out here. Let's not get too crazy with our predictions, but like I would be shocked if the wheels fell off here. They have a quarterback, they have a pass rush, they have a head coach. They they miss some in the draft and they have a couple weaknesses, but most teams year three with a new coach still do. So I mean. If you're a 49ers fan right now, you should be pretty happy. You should expect some losses and some adversity coming later in the year. Um, but yeah, man, I'm I'm up on this team right now. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And and you look at the issues the 49ers had last year. Obviously, health was was number one. But they turned the ball over a lot. They were the second worst team in the league in, in giving the ball away to their opponents offensively. They set records in for both t- takeaways and interceptions with just seven total takeaways and two interceptions, uh, which were the worst in NFL history. That's that's obviously not going to sustain itself over a course of, of multiple seasons, particularly now that the 49ers have, have improved the roster as much as they have. And just looking at the raw numbers, they can they can throw the ball, they can run the ball, they can defend the pass, albeit against three bad quarterbacks. I feel comfortable. Saying. Yeah, well, James, James, gonna... you know, we don't know what we're getting from Jameis Winston week to week, but I think <laughs> if there's a weakness, it's it's Jimmy Garoppolo's propensity to turn the ball over, or maybe just the offense's propensity to give the ball away. That's still their top issue because they're really like they're top ten in everything else right now through three games, with the caveat that they haven't played an elite offense yet. But you look at the rest of the division. Like what you saw from the Rams losing 55 to 40 to Tampa Bay, the Rams dropped to three and one. Jared Goff turns the ball over four times. I know we threw for 517 yards, but you really can't be impressed with what you've seen from Todd Gurley and, and just the Rams running game overall. And I think a lot of that has to do with the offensive line taking a dramatic step back. They still have really impressive skill position players. Robert Woods had 164 yards. Cooper Cup had 121 yards in a TD. Gerald Everett had a, had 44 yards on five catches and a touchdown. They're still really impressive skill position players, but I mean the Rams' defense doesn't look like what it was. Jameis Winston had all day to throw. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's looking like the start of the season, and things can change, obviously. But with the Rams playing like they have, and the Seahawks remaking their entire roster and and we'll see how how they improve as the season goes on. They're also three and one after beating the Cardinals on Sunday, who the Cardinals are obviously not very good, but the Niners really have a chance of to, to win this division, I think. And, and I know that that might be reactionary, but just looking at 
the way the Rams are playing and, and the fact the Seahawks have a young defense that hasn't played particularly well aside from Sunday's game against the Cardinals. Like, I really do think the Niners could win the division, but they're going to have to stay healthy. They're going to have to maintain this high level of play defensively. And they're going to need Jimmy Garoppolo to improve from the standpoint of not giving the ball away. Um, so I, I'm, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm definitely optimistic about what the 49ers can accomplish this season. I'm just curious as to, as to what, as to how much staying power it has when the rest of the NFC comes back to the pack, because I do think teams like mm-hmm. the Packers and the Eagles and, and the saints, if, and when drew Brees comes back healthy, those are going to be the teams that the 49ers are going to be pitted against. And I do think the Rams are going to improve as the season goes on, but in terms of the way the 49ers stack up in the division, I think you have to feel pretty good about that right now. And you've got the Rams Seahawks Thursday night. And this is actually a bigger game than we all think because I think all three of these teams are going to go 10 and 6, 9 and 7, 8 and 8 in that order and it's like it's crazy to think the Rams could go 8 and 8, but I think they are going to face some uphill battles and they're not going to be able to just win at will like they have the last couple of regular seasons under Sean McVay. Um, you know, looking at some of the stats from the Rams this year too, they're, they're, they're not number one anymore in like every offensive category. They're more like five and six and like th- their defense is clearly not that great. If Jameis is going to put up 55 points on you, and, you know, the Buccaneers, you know, we can have a whole other side debate. They might actually be decent. And this is the NFL's. Uh, the ringer was talking about this today. Kevin Clark was looking at the power rankings uh, this week, last year, the Jaguars were third or fourth. They were still viewed as a contender. So it is a week to week league. But this is a big game for NFC West positioning. Um, you know, if I had to lean one right right now over who would win the division, 49ers have a chance. I, I might lean Seattle because they have experience here. Um, Russell Wilson's completing 72% of his passes right now. Like he, he's just he's got eight touchdowns and zero interceptions. Um, he has been sacked 12 times, so that that issue is just gonna remain for them. But uh Clowney had a pick six yesterday. They they seem like they have some of their spunk back. Um yeah, man, I'm it, it's the early season. It's really too hard to tell, but it, it seems like the class of the NFC West, this could be the best division in football because the 49ers arrival here. And it's going to be fun to watch these teams neck and neck down the stretch. The Seahawks are, I think more dangerous right now than the Rams are because the Rams might be going through that season that good teams have where everything just kind of goes badly. And it, and it's not necessarily a referendum on, on what they are as like, as a team or, or an institution, like I do think the way the Rams are built, they're going to contend more years than they don't, but this might, this, this could could be a down season where they need to reload the roster in in the spring, make some, make some changes, um, figure out how to put Jared Goff in, in better places to succeed. But the Seahawks are interesting because I mean, there's so much brand equity there. We know the Seahawks are good because they've done it for a long time. They have Russell exactly. Wilson, who's who seems like he's always in, in at least the discussion as an MVP candidate. But going through it, like, I didn't think they played particularly well against Cincinnati week one. They didn't play particularly well week two against the Steelers in a game that Ben Roethlisberger led at halftime. Pittsburgh only won that game. Or sorry, Seattle only won that game by two points. You lose to New Orleans at home with Teddy Bridgewater quarterback, and I know you gave up a special teams touchdown and, and a defensive touchdown in that game, but those are still mistakes that count. And then you beat Arizona, which is fine. 
and the Seahawks are typically a team that gets better in November and December, but I'm curious to see what, what this version of the Seahawks is going to look like now that they've reloaded the entire roster, right? Like they have an, an entirely new secondary. The Legion of Boom is no longer there. They do have Jadavian Clowney, but I'm I'm not as high on Judavian Clowney as everybody else. I, I know he's a freak athlete and a good player, but injury issues. Um, I think it, it might have been smarter to just pay Frank Clark and keep him around because he is such a good player. I know they did get draft compensation for him. But the Seahawks, I, I think, are the biggest wild card. And, and I could see them being that team that wins 10 or 11 games that is competing with the Niners for the division crown, but I could also see see them fall back a little bit more towards mediocrity, and which is why Thursday's game is going to be so interesting because the Rams are going to be pissed off after losing that game at home to Tampa Bay, and then Seattle goes to Cleveland. So the the, the Browns are in an interesting stretch here with the with the NFC West, with the Niners Week Five, and then hosting Seattle Week Six. Seattle. Week seven goes to Baltimore at Atlanta. Doesn't look like a particularly tough game. They host Tampa Bay and then Seattle comes to the, to San Francisco, the Bay area to play the 49ers in a Monday night game, November 11th. And then they have their buy. So we're going to learn a lot about these Seahawks. I'm, I'm more intrigued right now with where they're at as a, as a potential contender in the NFC West than the Rams, because I just am not, liking what I'm seeing from that defense, from the offensive line and, and from Jared Goff. I, yeah. So, I mean, Thursday, the, the Seahawks are favored by one and a half points. So you get to three at home. It, it is kind of a toss up here. I, I have more faith in Russell Wilson. You talk about their brand equity, Chris, their brand is kind of winning football games that they don't even look impressive in like Cincinnati, right. like um, even this Cardinals game, they didn't like, totally finished cleanly. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the Rams having a down season. I talked about this, the Super Bowl hang, hangover. Th- this division looks winnable at this point in time right now. It's almost October 1st. You're listening to this. It's going to be October 1st. And right now the 49ers are, you know, they have a, I don't want to say easy October. If they can get through this one-on-one, I think they're going to beat the Redskins. You know, <laughs> you, everyone is counting that they, as a. They better beat the Redskins. Oh man, that that will <laughs> that will keep Kyle up for weeks if he loses uh, during this another mess that Snyder's created. Um, and then you've got the Panthers. Kyle Allen's not bad. Can't I see Cam going on IR to be honest? But and then the Cardinals. So I mean, you know, I, I tweeted this before, but it, it's really setting up for six and two. And if you're doing that, and the Rams and Seahawks here are beating each other up and not looking as good, so. Get excited right now. Things are shaking out. We'll see how this team continues to perform. There's no way they're going to be flawless, but I believe in Kyle. I believe in Jimmy G. I believe in the D-line as a winning formula. If they can remain balanced and Jimmy G or Jimmy G can prove to throw 45 times and they can win that way, they're going to be tough to beat. I don't think teams really want to play them anymore. Totally agree. And, and Kyle and I made the point in an earlier podcast, you look at the schedule like you mentioned, with Cleveland, the Rams, Washington, Carolina, Arizona, Seattle, Arizona. If they're 7-3 and three by November 24th when they host Green Bay, which is looking like it could be a really important game, those final six games are really the toughest part of the Niners' schedule. So if they're 7-3 and three at that point, they just need to go 3-3 three and three over the final six 
which includes Green Bay at Baltimore, at New Orleans, home to Atlanta, which is looking increasingly easier as the Falcons can continue to, to flounder a little bit, home to the Rams and then at the Seahawks. If they go three and three over that stretch, then they're 10 and six. You know, if they, if they enter that that portion at seven and three, which certainly seems doable because it's really hard to find three losses. I mean, it's it's not hard to find, but you could say maybe Cleveland or the Rams and then and then the Seahawks, but they should definitely handle Washington, Carolina, and Arizona. And they should split those two games with the Seahawks, but at least split them. But I, I think there there's an avenue to ten and six. And I think ten and six gets you in the playoffs, whether that's winning the division or or the wild card race. No, I know. So Injuries will be everything. What happens if Richard Sherman goes down? Then what are you doing? You're going to have to make some type of drastic trade. It looks like Jalen Ramsey, the Jaguars are going to play hardball. People are talking about the Eagles potentially being willing to give up two first-round picks for him. I don't see the Niners doing that just no, yet. No, I don't either. They, they, they don't need to accelerate their timeline this quickly. Like They can ease into becoming a contender. Um, and like, I love Ramsey and I totally get it. Like, oh, they've been missing their first round picks. This makes so much sense. Just do it. You really want to have amazing rookies on your team. Like Nick Bosa, you're not going to get the top two pick, but you're just going to have to identify someone in the twenties who's a superstar as well. Like that's, you're going to have to be a good team and do that. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like there's, there's going to be some question marks that, that come up, but I'm, I'm high on the team um, as long as they can stay healthy. If McGlinchey goes down, it would just be such a huge blow. They, they're going to be able to rotate running backs in, probably receivers in, but there's just certain positions. If they, they go down, then this team probably is going to lose a couple wins off the scoreboard. Yeah, I, I think this this team, the way it's currently constructed, is still probably an offseason away from filling all of their holes just in terms of depth and experience from from really being a team like, all right, this is a roster that you feel comfortable in ahead of going into a season, feel comfortable saying, okay, this, is, this team's good enough to win a Super Bowl. And I don't think the 49ers are necessarily good enough to win a Super Bowl right now. I do think they have a lot of glaring holes, particularly if they have to deal with prolonged injuries to guys like Akella Witherspoon and Joe Staley. I mean, obviously, left tackle and cornerback are two of the most important positions on the field. But, you know, I think they're an offseason away, another draft away, another free agency class away from really being able to fill in all those holes and getting the depth that you need to where you can absorb some of those issues. Similarly to how the Eagles did a couple years ago when they won the Super Bowl, they won the Super Bowl because they had the best roster in the league and because they were able to deal with injuries by plugging in high level players in their place. And so I think the 49ers are, are, still an offseason away from being able to do that that being said I mean you make the playoffs you can do anything we've seen the Giants win a Super Bowl after going nine and seven and we've seen you know the Ravens beat the Niners in, in the Super Bowl a few years ago after being a wild card team so just to get into the tournament is the most important thing but if you really want to feel good about calling a team a a contender that has uh long-term viability you need to build out the margins of the roster and have depth and I don't think the 49ers are there right now. And I don't think you get that roster by making a trade for somebody like Jalen Ramsey because you do have to pay George Kittle down the pike. You do have to pay DeForest Buckner. Uh, and you can't pay all of these guys. You can't no, have, you have people like, oh, Karab, figure it out. You know what I'm saying? You'll right. have people like, like, that really chime in and like 
you don't want to put yourself in this position. Had you, like you said, not traded for Jimmy G and not traded for D Ford already, and like then I would understand it. But it, it, it's interesting, man. If they did the move, I don't think I would hate it. I just don't see them doing it, and it's, it, it's too risky. However, I mean, they, they thought about Odell Beckham. They're willing to win at all costs. It's it's kind of an all-in move for me because if it blows up in your face and you miss the playoffs this year, there's so much pressure on you next year, like almost an absurd amount. And it just it it I think Kyle understands this in the relationship with the fan base and the owner and the pressure of this of situations. He's he's lost jobs in Washington. Sure. Um, yeah, my bad to just jump in right there, but I I uh-huh. I, I had to. Um, no, look, so the, here's here's the way that the Ramsey thing could become palatable, right? It's like, say the 49ers go on a run and they win their next four games. All of a sudden they're 7-0 and um, and it looks like, okay, maybe they actually are one of the best teams in the NFC. If Jalen Ramsey's still on the Jaguars at that point in, you know, a month from now, the the potential cost in a trade is going to go down because the Jaguars are going to be losing leverage as time goes on, because it's, it's pretty clear that Jalen Ramsey is not going to be easy for the Jaguars to deal with until he's out of there. Like that relationship has soured to the point where it's ugly and untenable and they basically have to move off of him because he's never going to be happy there. So as time goes on, maybe if the 49ers keep winning games and look like a team that can win a Super Bowl if they're only a piece away and the price comes down from Jacksonville's side and it's only a couple second round picks instead of a couple firsts or something like that, then you can justify it because look after next season, maybe you move off of Richard Sherman and then that opens up a good chunk of money that you could dedicate to somebody like Jalen Ramsey there. That scenario does exist, but it's unlikely right now. And at two first round picks, I think it's impossible but down the road, if things continue to get ugly in Jacksonville, they could be willing to part with far less than two first round picks. And then maybe the 49ers throw their hat in the ring, but I just don't see it right now. But, um, you know, I, I'm not expecting it. I, I think there's a very, very, very small chance that something like that happens because the 49ers are so concerned about building this thing long term, which means hitting on draft picks, which is the best way to build out the best roster possible. And yeah, I mean, is he a team player? You know what I'm saying? Like they've, they've been through a little of this before, um, especially at different stops with Kyle and John Lynch and just knowing guys who are like, what is this stunt he's pulling? Like, is he actually hurt? I get it. He had the baby born that was on the schedule before this, but there's, there's a lot of extra rules that Jalen Ramsey comes with where I think the, the 49ers, they'd be willing to sacrifice some, but if it becomes, it's never going to become an AB situation, but listen, AB is trying to empower players. He wants other players to act like this. The NFL, listen, I got shady because of the other allegations, the sexual stuff as well too. Before, even before that happened though, AB was trying to empower future NFL players. So I think for some of these, I don't want to say loose cannons here, but just you can't really trust Jalen Ramsey like you can other players as an organization. And I do think that factors a little bit into the decision about him as well. All right. I think that's a good place to wrap up. Uh, Kyle, Kyle, (laughs) Kyle's on vacation. You are not Kyle. You are Kevin. Uh, Thanks for joining me, man. Thanks for filling in. Um, You guys have to go check out the striking gold pod with, with Kevin and Rob. 
and Crocker. A lot of good stuff happening over there. Another another 49ers podcast for your feed if if you're not already listening. Uh, Kevin's been busting his ass, doing a ton of great stuff for Blue Wire behind the scenes. So uh, it's really up and coming. I'm really happy to be proud of. Uh, I'm really proud to be a part of it. Should say and uh, and and yeah, man, keep keep kicking ass and uh, and we'll do this again sometime soon. Appreciate you, brother. Yeah, it's it's fun to see the growth we're going through. Just signed Taj Boyd, former Clemson QB. We've got Josh Johnson, former Niners, Redskins. He's been all around the league. So adding some 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 real players to the squad and 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 growing with with. You know, finding existing podcasts. We just signed one called Bronx Pinstripes, a good Yankees one. So yeah, man, Blue Wire is aggregating a bunch of good content. Candlestick Chronicles being one of our first major hits that we made, man. All thanks to you. And Chris has got some, we got some good stuff going on. We're going to send him a bunch of equipment. He's going to get set up in Santa Clara, get a couple players on here. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned. We, we're we're only going to expand and make more audio content. So we hope you enjoyed this, peeps. Yeah, that'll be great. And then later this week, we're going to talk to Meredith Kane. She's our our residence brown, our resident Browns expert on Blue Wire. Since Kyle will still be on vacation in Hawaii, he made it a point not to bring any of his podcasting equipment with him. He he deserves this vacation. He's been going going nonstop over at Niners Wire ninety five seven. So getting some much deserved time off. We'll talk some Browns Niners on Thursday and all the matchups to watch in that Monday night game. Until then, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys later. Peace. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com